Welcome to Attached, a platform for adding breadth and depth to everyday living. I'm Yaakov Danishevsky, and this is the conversation series focused on my book. In each episode, I invite a special guest to discuss the topic of a particular chapter and how it relates to our lives. Welcome to another Conversations episode. Today we'll be discussing the seventh chapter of the book, which is the chapter about love languages. I'm joined today by Elisa Tropper, who I'm very excited to have this conversation with. She is a therapist in private practice in New York City and uh, in the New York area, and um, someone I've just been getting to, to meet and discuss ideas with, and it's, uh, it's really been uh, a pleasure, and thank you for making the time to do this. I'm really excited to be here. So the quick summary of this chapter as our springboard for the topic is that in this chapter, I talk about the classic idea of the love languages. People are, most people are familiar with this book, uh, the, the book about love languages, that essentially the idea being that each individual needs to know their love language. There are five basic categories of languages. Essentially, the idea being that there are five different ways that a person feels loved, that they are able to receive that love, that it kind of hits home for them. And that it's so important for us to each know our own and to communicate that to uh, those around us, in particular to our spouse. And that's kind of the classic idea in a nutshell. What I do in this chapter is I take that and I translate that into the variety of mitzvot that Judaism, uh, the variety of rituals and, and observances that, that Judaism has for us in terms of our relationship with, with God, with Hashem, and how those mitzvot, those acts can be seen as different types of love languages between us uh, and Hashem. And so without going more into what I write about there specifically, curious uh, for you to just start off by sharing any reflections you had uh, on this topic or on this chapter. Yeah. Um, what I love so much about the, this chapter was it really took, um, it really made us see a way that we could connect, you know, spiritually with, you know, um, God and Hashem. And it really like showed this new angle, which I think so many people sometimes struggle with, you know, connecting. How do I connect with Judaism? How do I connect with Hashem? Um, and I think here really gave insight in ways that we, that everyone could really find a way to connect. Um, but so that was something that I really found fascinating. Um, but even just going back to, you know, this is based on Chapman's love languages. Like I think um, just even reminding ourselves, like, you know, we all know that a lot of us know about the five love languages. Um, but I think that sometimes you don't realize that there are certain ways to do it or there are certain nuances that are a part of part of each one. Um, so I also did find that like that made me think about, OK, what do these each really mean? Like we know acts of service you know, mean doing things for your spouse, doing things for your partner. Um, but why is it sometimes that it doesn't work? So I think we can maybe talk a little bit about that and then talk about the spiritual love languages, whatever. Yeah. However, I guess this conversation takes us. Yeah, please. So let me just uh, list for those who don't know the five uh, languages that Chapman has in his book. And I'd love for you to kind of expound on, on any one of them in terms of what you're referring to of like uh, appreciating uh, the nuances or, or what, we, what we might not recognize about each of those languages. So the five in no particular order are words of affirmation, meaning expressing praise, expressing uh, compliments, uh, expressing affection uh, verbally. Uh, the second is quality time. The third is acts of service. 
the fourth is gifts and the fifth is physical touch. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd love to, uh, hear any, any one of those, uh, you know, adding to it. Um, I guess we could start with even just thinking about like words of affirmation. That one is definitely a big one for me. Um, so, you know, when you think about, okay, you think about complimenting your partner, um, showing appreciation, appreciation, but you don't also realize that a lot of times it's about also encouragement, encouraging them to do things. And particularly for this love language, it's very important to cheerlead your partner on, let them know what you think about them, let them know their potential. Um, or even just the tone of your voice is very, very important. Speaking kind words, gentle words, humble words, um, nagging. People in this love language are very sensitive. Um, we all, again, everyone has all these love languages. They're all important, but it's about um, what's most important to us. So specifically people who are, this one's very important. The tone of voice is is very important. Um, nagging, you know, to get to get your partner to do something is really going to push them the other way or mm -hmm. criticizing, you know, saying something like you never make that pasta as opposed to, I love when you make that pasta. It's my favorite dish. So just the small, these small nuances really, really make a difference. Um, so I never, so, so sorry, just to interject for a second. I never thought about this, the way that you're, that, the way that I, I think you're framing it, which is really cool that if you understand the person's love language, then that also gives you a, a kind of a clue into um, what things they'll be more sensitive to negatively. So if, yeah. their if their positive love language is words of affirmation, what you're saying is that that's also gives you insight into they will be more affected by words. So they're yes, more, exactly. they're more sensitive to that. I never heard it put in that way. That's really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. And the way that they're going to connect a lot is through words. So liking to talk. So that's something that, you know, communicating. And then if something doesn't go right for you, communicating in a way that is gentle. You know, I I really would like if you can help around the house as opposed to you never help around the house. So, yeah, right. this is all that's all part of it, which I, you know, thought was really interesting. I can go through each one or, you know, I don't know how, how much time we have. Um yeah, and I mean, also just to just to highlight something you said. I mean, in terms of the the words of affirmation and thinking about encouragement in that way, that's I like that. That's that's also another piece of uh, the words of affirmation. I don't think is is so much what people usually think of when they think of words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Which is why I brought that up. I thought that was interesting. And you know, another thing, even even with like gifts, right? So, what's gifts about? That's also I guess I'm picking the ones that are big on my list, <laughs> but um. <laughs> Gifts a lot is about it's a, people who appreciate gifts. It's a lot about that this is this thing is a symbol of love. So to them, physical things that that um, basically symbol some sort of appreciate you know some sort of symbol of love is very important. So even in times of crisis, this is something that people don't realize that having the your your partner physically being there is a symbol of love. So to them, that is very important, um, you know, like as opposed to, I remember in, in Chapman's book, he was saying something, how a, someone was going through a crisis in a hospital and like 10 minutes after their husband went to then go play maybe softball or football. And she, the wife was very sensitive to that. Like, how could you go do this when I'm in crisis? But really she, he had spent a long time there and then it was like, there wasn't that much time he could spend there. They had to go do things, 
you know, tests and run tests. But to her, the physical um, act of the her husband being there symbolized love. So that's why it's very much about these physical symbols, whether it's, it doesn't have to necessarily be big and expensive, but it's about the thought that you're putting into it, that this, this shows me that I, that I have been thinking about you, care about you or love you. Mm -hmm. Um, so that also, I found interesting that people don't often think that. And a lot of times if you physically can't be there, it's okay, whatever that's, but yeah, that, that also was a little nuance that I thought was interesting. Yeah. Any, any of the other ones have any, uh, any nuances that you think would uh, often be overlooked that you think are worth uh, highlighting? Yeah, I think with acts of service, sometimes people don't realize that it's actually about the things that, that are important to my spouse. So there is, um, sometimes you can have the same even love language as their partner and you could both have acts of ser service as your number one love language and dialect. But you're both not doing the services that they would actually appreciate, right? So if, like, my husband would spend the whole Sunday, um, I don't know, cleaning my car, I to me, I wouldn't necessarily see that as acts of service, even though acts of service for me, let's say, let's say it was my love, my love language. So I think also that, like, realizing that acts of service doesn't mean any services. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's particular to what is important to my 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 spouse, my partner, and I think thinking about that. What are the things that my partner would appreciate? And, you know, having that discussion. So this way, because that also sometimes like can also be overlooked. It's like anything that I do for them. It's like, no, let's really look at the specifics. That's going to really make the difference in terms of, you know, sh feeling loved by your partner. Yeah. Yeah. It seems that uh, nowadays so many people are just pulled in so many directions and so busy and quality time is just one that's so challenging to come by, but uh, I guess of, of any of them, uh, of any of the five, I would have thought that quality time in a sense is like the most uh, universal, you know, kind of like yeah. everyone, everyone's going to have, I, I, I would think everyone's going to have quality time and like might not be their number one, but it's going to, it's going to have to be there, you know, in some significant way. Yeah, that for sure. If not, then like, how are you going to build your relationship or keep your relationship? So I think that is true. Like in today's times, if there's so much distraction, it's it's nece it's so necessary. People are working many hours, and I think that that is really important. But the thing with quality time, also that I think is often overlooked, it's it's you know it's it's sometimes it's not just about sitting on the couch together and maybe it's watching something or listening to a podcast or whatever it is. It's undivided attention, which we have our all right our phones all the time we're on it. So with quality time, it's very important that there's, you're keeping your focus, it's undivided. Um, so that's something also people don't necessarily think about. And it's also that during this time, the quality of your conversation is very important. So, um, you know, this is where people who really, um, really appreciate this love language. It's very important that in these conversations, there's self-revelation where you're where you're sharing with your partner what you're thinking, what you're feeling. It, it's both ways, meaning you want to do that, but you also want your partner to do that to you. To have them talk about their thoughts, show empathy, feelings, what's going on with them. So I think that's also something that's important to really think about when you're spending quality time. Um, you know, it's because we think about it generally, okay, it's, it's sharing experiences together. It's, you know, but it's also the quality of conversation that's also important during these times. 
Yeah, and I'm thinking about the the insight you had earlier about how whatever the love language is in the positive sense also is an indicator to what the the you know the other side of the coin yeah. would be. And so, if quality time is about the undivided attention, uh, then I, I would imagine that someone whose love language is quality time is going to be extremely sensitive to 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 experiencing time together in which they feel like they're not getting the undivided attention. And, yes. so, and everyone's sensitive to that, but the people who fall into that category will be, have a heightened sensitivity to that. So yeah. like you were saying before about words of affirmation, those people will have a heightened sensitivity to, you know, something negative in the tone of voice, something nagging in the, in the, in the, in the articulation and the, or in the word choice uh, and the quality time people will have, uh, that heightened sensitivity to feeling like, why are you glancing at your phone while we're yeah. supposed to be, you know, spending this time together? Or why are you, you know, willing to spend so much time talking to the friend who walks by our table at the restaurant when we're supposed right. to be out having dinner together, yeah. etc. Exactly. It's yeah. definitely. And then I guess the acts of service person uh, would, would, would probably have that the flip side for them would be uh, feeling forgotten or feeling, you know, un, untaken care of. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, so it really kind of directs us, guides us uh, as a as a spouse into, you know, what things to be, uh, not, not only in terms of filling um, our spouse, you know, filling them up in a positive way, but also what to really be careful about. Yeah, and really, I think it's about each each of these are dialects, right? The way that we show love and receive love, the same way if you spoke with certainly, it's we, it's about finding each other's language, right? And if you speak English to somebody who speaks French, you're not going to understand each other. So right. yes, it's about each dialect, but it's also within each dialect, there's a dialect. So let's say with physical touch, getting to know your partner, what, what to them they appreciate. Do they appreciate a tap on your shoulder when you're walking by in the kitchen? So it's, mm -hmm. or maybe they don't, they feel like, what are you doing? So I think that it's very much within these love languages is also really fine tuning and understanding what's the dialect within this dialect, um, that's really, really important. And that's really what I found when I was like rereading this book and re you know, reading your your chapter, it made me really think about, you know, these small, small things that we we don't necessarily think about. Yeah. So I think part of uh the the love language concept is also the concept of kind of individuality, <clears throat> you know, is is getting to know yourself and yeah kind of embracing uh, and being being comfortable to to explore and to figure out what works for you and and uh, kind of giving yourself permission essentially to not necessarily just fall into whatever is is scripted or whatever seems to be the cultural norm yeah. uh, or the communal uh, expectation but to allow yourself to figure out what actually works for you. And I think that's true both in the love languages in the context of interpersonal relationships, then also if we start branching out now uh, yeah. into, into the spiritual love languages, yeah. especially to be able to say, well, what, what actually inspires me? What actually, um, you know, g gets me involved, gets me engaged, et cetera, and not just fitting into the kind of conveyor belt uh, expectations. So I'm curious from your perspective, what, what are the things that, you know, A, make it challenging for people to be able to find their individuality and their unique path, their unique relationships, both with other people and with God? And, and, and you know, the corollary to that, B, being 
you know, how do we, how do we start to do that, you know, better <laughs> if we struggle with that? Um, I think that there's many things, factors that really lead to like finding what, what speaks to us in terms of connecting to, you know, spiritually connecting to, you know, God and, and people. I think there's many things. I think it has a lot to do with, um, modeling of our own parents, um, how they express love to each other, how they express love to us that will influence that. Um, if there is trauma or neglect, um, you know, people who have experienced neglect will really not, I think you wrote about this in the chapter was like, a, they won't believe that God actually cares about them. So to them, mm -hmm. davening and praying is something that they're like, no, why would God care or listen to me? Because they're so not used to that. So our experiences really impact the way we give and receive love. I think it's also temperament, our personality, right? You can have many people that grow up in the same family and express and receive love and connect to spirituality differently. Um, so mm -hmm. that we can't, you know, the temperament plays a role. Um, are you a feeler, a thinker? You know, what, are you an artist? Are you very logical? So I think, you know, all these things are going to impact. Um, I think shame, feeling unworthy will often get in the way of just feeling like I don't deserve love or restore. They don't feel comfortable with, with receiving love. So that definitely, you know, these things can really, really impact the way you receive, or even, you know, people have gone through, like you have gone through trauma or really negative experiences will often really have a hard time connecting spiritually because they really believe that, you know, God, God doesn't love them. Um, they, if they had parents where they couldn't connect to and didn't have a relationship with, then they are going to then basically reflect that relationship onto God. That's why some people, you often see that people who struggle with addictions or, or have a lot of trauma have a very hard time being connecting to spirituality, which is why often part of the healing is very much about spirituality, um, right? Even um, in AA, right? There's always, there's a higher power, right? It's like, it's always part yeah. of the, the healing process because that is really, that's how we, that's how, that's how it's very important. Um, our relationship with, with God and with people. And we are going to reflect that relationship of whatever our experiences were with our parents. We're going to reflect that onto God. So I think these are things that often get in the way. Um, and once you start healing, that's when really you're able to spiritually connect because you're no longer cut off from yourself. I think also if you need to feel connected to yourself in order to give and receive love, you need to be connected to yourself. You need to know what, what are my desires? What do I feel? Right? Intimacy is about sharing your feelings and your thoughts with another person. But the first step is knowing what your thoughts and feelings are. So you really need to be connected to yourself. So again, if you're, if you went through things where you're very disconnected from yourself because of experiences that happened to you, or because you had to disconnect from your own feelings because of things that have happened to you, trauma or your past or your environment, or maybe it was learned behavior. Your parents didn't allow, give you, allow you to express yourself. It was very much not reinforced. So therefore, yeah, you're going to have a hard time, let's say with um, words of affirmation, you know, or even quality time, being able to express how you feel and think, because that was not something that was modeled for you. It was actually shut down. So these are things that are really going to impact the way you connect with God and with, you know, other people.
And we could go yes, into each one, you know, um, it was really fascinating the way that you broke down the, the spiritual love languages. I don't know if that's something you want to talk about or anything else. Throw it out there. Yeah, no, I'd love to hear, love, would love to hear your thoughts on that and how on, on, on translating this into the spiritual, uh, spiritual version of these love languages. Um, okay. It was interesting, you know, so when I was going through them and maybe I obviously was thinking about, okay, which ones do I connect to? And obviously there's so many more, but I thought it was interesting when you, when you, the spiritual love language of words of affirmation was davening praying or even talking to God in your own words or the idea of a spot at us, right? You're going, um, so that, that I thought was just, just interesting. Um, a way of, you know, how some people connect to that. Some people don't. And I think, again, the reason why some people don't is because they really believe that if they didn't have parents that listened to them or there was neglect or abuse, they, they, it's very likely at this one that's not going to talk to them because like, why would God, God, why is he listening? Like, why would he care? You know, cause again, we, we attribute our relation with our parents. We connect that with God. So, um, that was interesting. And, oh, top quality of time. I thought that was very interesting. Also, you said, mm. you spoke about that the holidays, the Yom Tovim is very much that's another spiritual love language of quality time, which makes a lot of sense, you know, especially because during those times we're putting away our phones, we're disconnecting. And then we're, it's really about connecting to God. Um, so that I thought was very interesting. I, I happen to really like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do in today's day and age. Yeah. 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 So I guess one of the questions I have is, is, you know, there's, there's definitely, <laughs> Um, all the factors you just said, I find to also be so true, right? If somebody is, if there's, if there's deeper rooted kind of disconnect from the self or uh, certainly trauma and shame, uh, a person who didn't have uh, a nurturing upbringing, which reinforced, you know, the, the, the idea or the possibility of, of being in tune and, and having permission to feel uh, what I'm feeling and think what I'm thinking and express what I, what I'd like to express, et cetera. So when any of those kind of deeper issues are present, uh, deeper challenges are present, uh, for sure, there's going to be a, a more difficult time accessing uh, that individualized path. Mm -hmm. But let's say even when we don't have those kind of deeper trauma, shame, et cetera, I think there's there's still a challenge because we we live in a culture, I think, in and I don't think this is unique to the from community. It's just the from community has its own unique version of this. And even within the from community, yeah. I mean, there's so many different pockets of what that means, where there's a certain there's a certain path, you know, there's there's certain things that are that are kind of the expectations and the norms and mm -hmm. like this is how, you know, this is how a successful um, you know, um, guy or girl go, grows up and, uh, and this is, this is how, this is how it goes. This is how it looks to be, uh, to be from, to be engaged, etc. Uh, and so that I think is a challenge, even if there aren't, you know, the deeper underlying issues, right. uh, I think, True. mean, meaning for sure though, that issue that I'm naming, which is more of the cultural issue, will be yeah. amplified a lot more when there are uh, the deeper challenges. But even without the deeper challenges, I think those kind of communal cultural 
challenges uh, are present. So I'm, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on on how a person, again, even if we're not getting into the, to the deeper yeah. layer of stuff, because that's yeah. more something that a person would need, you know, more individual uh, psychotherapy to try and work yeah. through. Uh, but I think all of us, uh, you know, everyone, uh, I mean, we all also have those deeper issues, but, you know, yeah. but, but all of us are, you know, are, are living in, the, in the, with that cultural challenge. Yeah, no, it's so true. Um, I think there's definitely perceived like notions and, and ways that w when we grow up, we're very much taught that this is what it means to be Jewish. This is what it means to be spirit spiritual. And then if you can't connect to those things, I think a lot of time people like really then like then think very black and white sometimes. And like, I, I can't connect to Judaism, you know, or we're not even that. And I'm not saying it's that extreme with people, but I think that there's very much certain things that since we're young, we're taught and we're told that these are the things you need to do to be, that means that you're a from Jew and that we lose a lot of times that emotional piece because it's something that we're just doing automatically. And then we don't think about, okay, what are the ways that I really connect? You know, cause like, I know it says you wrote, um, in your chapter, you spoke about how the Ramam says that every person has like a mitzvah that they're meant to like perform perfectly or well. And I think that's, it's so true because a lot of times we don't think in those terms of like, what do I enjoy? What brings me closer to Hashem? What brings me, we don't think of that because a lot of us have grown up since we were young, just doing things by habit because this is what we were taught in school or this is what my parents told us that we're not doing it from a place so much of love or desire or what I enjoy. But really, I think it's such a great way to think about this is, is what, what do I enjoy? What fills me up? Is it when I give, you know, tzedakah? Is it when I prepare a beautiful meal for Yontev or when I bake challah or maybe the man is davening or, you know, but we each, just like we each have desires and preferences with foods and taste and, and aesthetics and with hobbies and interests, the same thing it's going to be with spirituality. So I think it's like starting to really think in terms of that. What, what folds me up? What do I enjoy? Um, Back to what you were saying about, uh, um, what was your, you were saying before about you started this with saying how why is it? Oh, not you don't necessarily have to have trauma, right, to be disconnected. But I right. think it's it's a lot about just habit and rote and not thinking about like what what do I enjoy, um, or this is what I have to do. So then, because you have to do it, you're not you're you're feeling forced. And it becomes something that you must do as opposed to that you want to do. But really, there's so much place for individuality and really finding the things that really, really fill you up in Judaism. And But we don't think in terms of that because we're taught a lot out of fear. You must do this or something terrible is going to happen. You're going to burn in hell or whatever we were taught. Um, so I think there's a lot of I, I do think that in Hasidus, right, and I think they're really changing that. It's about love. It's a lot about love, right? Fine. It's supposed to fear. So I think that has a lot of, that's a big impact because I think a lot of us were taught, like you do this, if you don't do this, you know, something bad's going to happen. So I think that also, that perspective could really, really change things. It's interesting. I think it's true in, in both in, in marriages and in relationships, and then also in this context of, of spirituality and religion, that when a person is feeling upset 
about their circumstance or or unhappy or unsatisfied in their relationship, again, whether it's with a person or with Hashem, the natural thought is to think about how uh, this person, my spouse or my friend or my family member is is lacking in X, Y, or Z, or you know, they, they are not able to do this, this, or this, or, you know, whatever issues, whatever complaints, whatever criticisms I have of that person. And then similarly in Judaism. So it's, you know, it's, if I'm feeling uninspired, un, you know, disinterested, right. it's not working for me. I'm thinking Judaism is not for me. Judaism is not, mm-hmm. you know, speaking to me. It's, I don't like this, you know, et cetera. Versus what you're saying is, again, in both contexts, the interpersonal relationships, and then with God, it's thinking about, Instead of the the criticism or the evaluation of the other, it's what do I want? What what does hit home for me? What does inspire me or or bring light or or you know make things alive for me? And then when I know the answer to that, it's okay. How can I find that in yeah. this relationship? So how can I communicate that to my spouse, friend, family member? How can I bring that out in this context? And then similarly in Judaism, it's, okay, if I know what actually does speak yeah. to me, where can I find that in Judaism? Because there is so much out there. There's such a range and a variety of ways that we can experience Judaism and that we can experience other people, even the very same person. We can experience, We can have different experiences with yeah. them. So if instead of thinking about the other and what's wrong with the other, we think about what do I need, what do I want, and then I can I can actually find that in the context of the other, which on the surface can can sound or look almost a little bit like self-centered because I'm thinking right. so much about myself, but it's the opposite because when I have that clarity of what I actually want, instead of just thinking about criticizing them, then I can actually give them the ability to to you know, I, I can actually connect with them better. It's true. And also, you know, what's interesting, like a lot of times people will say, I can't connect with, let's say, um, keeping kosher, you know, with not eating milk and meat together or fasting and Yom Kippur. And then they think those things are not important, but really in every relationship, doing things that we don't enjoy is part of the relationship. Like right? what you spoke about was that acts of service and gifts we can think of those things that we that we don't find inspiring and meaningful in Judaism. We could think of those things as acts of service to God and gifts to God. So therefore, even if you're saying, oh, but I don't connect with this part. You hear people like, I don't connect with certain things. I'm not going to follow these things. And really, but if you look at it in a way of, no, this is part of the relationship. Sometimes doing things that are uninspiring and don't feel meaningful to me is actually part of the relationship because that's an act of service. That's a gift. And I, I really thought that also was really helpful, especially today. We live in a society where it's so much about seeking inspiration and finding meaning that we sometimes lose that importance of, no, guess what? Not everything is meaningful. It's, I, right. I don't enjoy, um, you know, cleaning up, you know, picking up my husband's socks if he left it on the floor or doing laundry. But it's something that I do because it's it's part of a relationship or I know that this will mean a lot to him, even though I don't enjoy it. So I'm therefore going to do this for him. Same thing with God, you know? So I think that sometimes people also like, we don't want to lose both. Yes. At the same time, we want to do find the things that are meaningful to us and do those things that are inspiring to us and really finding that love language and spirituality. And at the same time, all love languages are all important 
in every relationship, right? We can't forget they're all important. It's just about what's most important. So the same thing with Judaism. It's not about now suddenly, okay, I don't find this inspiring or, or meaningful. Therefore, I'm not going to do it. No, actually, that's an act of service or a gift to God, which I thought was really, really powerful, you know, when he wrote that yeah. in the chapter. Yeah, I think it's so important and is one of the reasons why I like the framing of the love languages because the idea of love languages is that it's really about knowing my spouse's love language uh, and, and, and being able to, to, to connect in that way even when that's not what I find meaningful and then vice versa. The same has to be true for me as well. Yeah. So I'm curious, what would you say, let's say we – because I think this comes up all the time. You have someone who – their, let's make up an example. Let's say their husband's love language is acts of service. And they, and like you said before, right? So that can mean different things for different people. So let's say this, uh, well, actually, I'll give a real example. Okay. So there was a, uh, a couple I worked with and the, this is a few years ago and the, the wife, her love language was acts of service. And it was specifically things that were, at least on surface level, more mundane. They weren't okay. like overtly, you know, the types of things you think of as like romantic or loving. So it was like mm -hmm. filling up her car with gas would be like something that she would feel really taken care of, really seen, etc. And really for to him, that one. he was, <laughs> what is that? You can relate to that. Yeah. And for what him, and he was... <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's where the anger could no. go on. <laughs> and, 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 and he was like much more of the kind of, I don't know, call it like the poetic soul, artistic soul, and, you know, much more of a romantic. He just could not understand like how that was love. Mm -hmm. And it made it very hard for him because he, for himself, like he wanted to, you know, I don't know, give her cards and flowers and, mm -hmm whatever else it was. And, uh, and, and, it, and it, that really didn't speak to her, you know, and these more kind of technical things spoke to her a lot more. So what mm -hmm. would you say to, uh, to a spouse in that situation? Um, because what you were saying before, I think is so important, like not everything needs to be meaningful, but it can still be, it's still, it's still challenging, like for a long-term relationship to be in yeah. that position. Yeah. Um, it really, it, it is, but I think that that's what relationships are about. It's really finding what's meaningful to them. So in that situation, you buying flowers might be more for yourself, you know? Um, so yeah, it would be, I would say, I would have them re recognize and realize that, you know, this to them is their love language and this is how she's going to receive love. So therefore, yes, go fill up, do the mundane things, fill up the car. And of course you could, everyone does appreciate a nice bouquet of flowers. It doesn't mean that you should you shouldn't be doing those things and you 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 could do those things as well of course those things enhance a relationship having a beautiful dinner with lit candles you know of course those things enhance but it's what's going to really fill her up is doing the mundane things so so yes continue to be be romantic of course that's going to enhance a relationship but make sure they are actually really doing those mundane things for her like filling up the, you know, the gas in her car, because that's what, how, that's what, how she interprets love. That's her dialect. That's her language. So I would say you can still be yourself and do those things. Cause again, I think that's where often people get so caught up. It's, oh, I don't believe, you know, I was once having this conversation with someone, oh, the love languages, I don't believe in it. They're all important to me. Of course, they're all important. We need all these things in a relationship. Can you imagine if you stopped doing things for your partner and you only just did words of affirmation, like, and you stopped doing, taking care of things? 
your, your partner's going to start <laughs> to get angry. So of course they're all important, but it's looking at what's the most important, what's going to really, really speak to me the most. And people usually have one or two that speak the most, but again, all of them are important. So I think continue to be that artist should be continue being that artist, but also just think about your partner, like, and make sure you're, you're actually also doing the things that really speak to them. Do you think that that part of the the work for this couple includes, uh, let's say in the example I gave, includes the wife trying to cultivate more of a uh, ability to receive that romantic, those romantic, more, again, I'm just using this term, those romantic gestures uh, and to allow that to be, to, to, to work towards allowing that to be also a love language that becomes more highlighted or that's really not what the work is about. It's really about him understanding that when he's trying to express love to her, it's not about him. It's about her. And so right. he really needs to focus on, you know, on the mundane things. I, I, I think that, yeah, like, I think that a big part of the work Russell interpret love is, is about the mundane things. But I also think that she, her working on, receiving and accepting is for sure part of the relationship because it's so important to him mm -hmm. and also learning to appreciate that like oh wow that is because you can really learn to appreciate things about people you know i often personally will appreciate things that are different than me so if that's not so you know that's just me personally oh wow that's so interesting that that this is how this is what you do because i appreciate differences but it makes it more interesting but that's just me, but I'm saying, yeah, I definitely think that in, in relationships, part of the work is accepting, accepting things in general that are different than us and learning to appreciate those differences. So yeah, I would say so. Um, but in terms of her really receiving love and feeling loved in terms of that context, him focusing on the mundane is very important, but in terms of the relationship as a whole, it is very important that she does learn to accept this part of him and appreciate it. Yeah. So it's, it really, it, it would really be kind of that there's, there's, you know, a, a whole, it, it, the love language piece turns into a whole rounded, uh, you know, it surrounds the whole relationship on both sides yeah. in terms of working on how to, how to show up in a way that I'm giving in the way that my spouse actually needs. And then also um, it's kind of counterintuitive, but it's, it's, how do I show up to be able to receive in a way that my spouse needs to give? Yeah. <laughs> which, which paradoxically is like, a, it, it, it's, it's a receiving that's actually in a sense a form of giving as well. Because if I can really allow myself to receive this gift from you, I'm actually giving you the ability to give a gift in the way that you, that you yeah. like to give, which means something to you. Yeah, and so true. then, which is really beautiful because it all becomes kind of harmonious then, right? Like it, it's, it's reciprocal. My give, my receiving is giving and your giving yeah. is receiving. That will for sure impact the relationship. Yeah. It's, I like that way of looking at it. Like receiving is really giving, you know, if you can receive it's actually something in his way of giving that's giving. Yeah. I guess that's kind of the, uh, you know, that classic, uh, uh, insight people have about the word uh, giving in Hebrew is uh, Natan, which is a palindrome, right? So they, right. it spells the same way back, right? I guess that's yeah. kind of that that classic uh, kind of that classic idea. Mm -hmm. That defines that really well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, thank you so much. This has been a really, yeah. uh, really interesting conversation. Definitely added a lot that I had never thought about in terms of the love languages, uh, like which we started as is like such a classic idea, but you, you brought so much uh, nuance to it that I had not previously thought about. Thank you for making the time to do this with sure. me. And, and thank you. It's been a pleasure being on here. And um, I will look forward to reading the rest of your book. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Take, Take care. Bye-bye. so much for listening if you enjoyed this please follow us on whatsapp youtube or instagram all our podcast series can be found wherever you listen to podcasts i'd love to hear from you so please reach out with questions comments or suggestions or to be added to our whatsapp groups you can reach us through email using yakov y-a-k-o-v dot attached at gmail.com or on whatsapp at 773-888-2413